This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning, everyone. The first reading is from Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Greta Archbold. The second passage this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12 and going through to 16. Not that I, Paul, have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at that, <clears throat> that Philippians passage that uh, Greta read out for us before. So if you have a Bible nearby, it would be great for you to have that open in front of you as we look at it together. Let me pray. Our gracious God, your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Today, when we hear your voice, deliver us from hardness of heart. Help us to put away everything that keeps us from persevering in your way for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> well, what are you hurrying about? Uh, many of you may know that I used to live in Durham, a small university town in the northeast of England, and it was quiet there. I lived only half an hour walk from the centre of town, and we had sheep over our back fence. And when I walked into the city, uh, it was a quiet, peaceful walk through the woods and over stone bridges. It was a peaceful place to be. So when I moved back to Sydney, it was a big shock 
things were fast. The drivers, the talking, even the Uber Eats delivery riders on their battery-powered bikes. And very quickly, I started to get into the swing of things again, kind of pick up that Sydney pace. Life is busy here. It's fast. It's hurrying. But why? Why, why do we hurry like this? Forrest Gump didn't know why he was running. That day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run, he said to the stranger at the bus stop bench. I ran to the end of the road, and when I got there, I thought I might run to the end of town. I figured since I run this far, maybe I'd run across the whole state of Alabama. I just kept on going. I ran clear to the ocean, and when I got there, I figured since I'd gone this far, I might as well just turn around and keep on going. Maybe Forrest ran to get away from his pain and frustration. Maybe he ran to feel free. I think a lot of us run and hurry for something we're we're not quite sure about. We're not sure why we do it. But maybe you're running because you're pursuing good things, things that are important to you and that are important, security, satisfaction, a good future for your kids, a feeling of significance, and not just for yourself, but actually making a mark, making a difference to people around you. And so there's not necessarily anything wrong with running, but the question is, what are you running for? What are you pursuing? Well, the Apostle Paul was running hard too, but he was pursuing something special. He was pressing on to know Christ. And whatever it is in life that motivates you to keep running, knowing Christ is far more worthy of pursuit and worth spending your life and yourself on. Last week, Michael spoke about how great it was to know Christ, that knowing Christ is better and more valuable than anything else. But if you know Christ already, that doesn't mean that there's nothing else to know. Look at the way Paul puts it in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. Paul is like a runner, an athlete, striving to know Christ more thoroughly and more deeply. Like those Uh, those Australian gold medal winning kayakers. Remember them? We mentioned them a few weeks ago. Uh, Jean and Thomas, muscles rippling, chest heaving, looking straight ahead to that finish line, that goal to know, for us to know Christ. Now Paul knows that he will see Christ face to face eventually, but until then he strives and strains to know Christ better. Now, this isn't about just getting a bigger head, a bigger brain, more head knowledge. Knowledge in the Bible is deeply relational. It's like knowing your best friend and really getting to uh, them knowing you as well. With connection, close, being accepted. And so this striving is about deepening this relationship with Christ. And so it's not about just doing more stuff, burning yourself out just to be being busier with Christian things. If you want to know someone better, what do you do? 
when you first start getting to know a new friend, how do you fan that friendship into flame? Well, you sit and you listen to them. You share yourself with them. And over time, you get to know them better and and you feel safer with them. Your trust in each other grows as you share more of yourselves and entrust yourself to them. And as your trust grows, so does your affection for them and your love. And you You want to spend more time with them to live in a way that they appreciate, to be a faithful friend. Pressing on to know Christ, then, it's a bit of a paradox. It's a straining yourself that slows down to listen to him in his word, that slows down to share and and, and entrust yourself to him, to grow in your security and love and affection, to live how he wants and remain faithful until the end. We need to press on to know Christ. So how do we do it? Where do we start with this pressing on? Well, a great way to start is to remember that Christ has already made you his own. That's how Paul puts it in the second half of verse 12. He's already been made made Christ's. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Paul was a Christian killer. Did you realize that? He was a leader who breathed threats and murder against the early church and the Christians. And he had them killed. And one day he was on a journey, a long journey from Jerusalem to, uh, to Damascus to find more Christians to imprison. And suddenly a great light flashed around him. And a voice came down. A voice spoke to him as he lay kneeling on the ground. Saul, Saul, which is his Hebrew name for Paul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That day, Jesus seized Paul and made him his own. Utterly transformed him, turned his life upside down. From a persecutor of Christ and the church to its greatest apostle and missionary. From someone who hated Christ to someone who knew him deeply, who trusted him, loved him, and served him. Now, if you're a Christian, you probably didn't have a, quite a, a domestic road experience quite like this, though maybe you did. But if you ought, no, even if you didn't, If you already trust Christ, Christ has made you his own too. Now, we like to think of ourselves as free agents, that we choose things for ourselves. But that's not how this works. Out of God's grace, he has called you to follow him. And when you hear that call on you, the call of the gospel, God's spirit works in us transforms your heart and your mind to allow you to accept that message. And so, yes, you choose to follow Christ, but on the other side of that coin is Christ choosing you, calling you, making you his own first. And so that means that you belong to him. 
And, you know, we, we rush around trying to pursue our own hopes and dreams to realise our own selves. But if Jesus Christ has made you his own, it's not only about you. He chose you to utterly transform you and turn your life upside down. He wants you to know him, to trust and love and serve him as deeply as Paul did. Christ has made you his own, so remember that. So how else do we do it? Then if Christ has made us our own, uh, his own and we're going to press on to know him, how do we actually get to know Christ more deeply? What's a way to approach it? Well, Paul continues in verse 13. He says, Beloved, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We know Christ by forgetting the past. You know, after a sprinter explodes out of the blocks, they don't go, oh, oh, sorry guys, wait a minute, I just need to kind of check. No, they keep going. They forget what has gone, in the, what's gone on in the past. It's irrelevant. And they don't think about the competitors behind them either. They focus and forget the past. As you pursue knowing Christ, you need to forget the past too. Forget your failures. Paul persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He called himself chief of sinners, the worst of sinners. And maybe you've done awful things, things that you feel are beyond forgiveness. But if Christ could forgive Paul, he can forgive you out of his measureless grace and mercy, whatever you've done. You can forget about your dark past because Christ forgives it and gives you a new start. And so you can press on. You can also forget your privileges. And we need to forget whatever privileges we think we might have before God. Whatever you think puts you in a good standing before God, forget it. Your Christian family pedigree your church attendance, your Bible knowledge, how much you've served in the past. Now, they are all excellent things. And in many ways, they're stepping stones along the way. But compared to actually knowing Christ, remember, they are nothing. Knowing him personally, they are nothing. So in that sense, forget them. And just keep moving on to know Christ. And this is a warning too, I think, to not rest on our laurels. Especially if you've been around for a while, been a Christian for a while. It's easy to think maybe you've done your bit. You can focus now on something else. Focus on your family. Uh, focus on your career now. Or, or relax into a, a comfortable, slower life. You never retire from knowing Christ. You never retire from pressing on to know Christ better. More deeply, to grow in faith and love and hope. And so forget the past 
and keep persevering. It's not just about forgetting the past, but it's also about straining ahead, straining forward to what lies ahead. And in verse 14, he talks about pressing on towards the goal for the prize. A runner is motivated by what's ahead, the finish line, just, just making it to the end. A number of years ago, I went in the Sutherland to surf uh, running, running race. I'm not much of a runner. And uh, it, it's kind of like a, a mini city to surf, I suppose. And uh, so I decided to go in it and I thought, well, this is a, a proper race. I guess I should wear my running shoes that I never normally wear. So I put them on and, and off, off we went. Started out uh, with a good start. But within a kilometre or two, my feet were covered in blisters because of the shoes that I hadn't been wearing. And I just, all I wanted was to get to the finish line. I just wanted it, I just wanted it to end. But for the other runners, the other people who were running, who knew what they were doing, they were looking forward to the prize as well, to the satisfaction of getting there with a good time or, or to win. Now for us, as we press on to know Christ, we can be motivated by what's ahead as well. The finish line, making it to the end to be with Christ. The prize, which is actually being with Christ, the satisfaction, the goodness of knowing God and being completely known. Now we talked about this a few weeks ago. Remember Paul had a big, hairy, audacious goal to live and die for Christ. He said, for me, living is Christ, dying is gain. Remember that? Dying is gain. And really, he yearned to be with Christ forever, compared to anything that he could possibly experience in this life. Being with Christ was far better, far richer, far more satisfying. And so if you trust Christ, you have a goal, you have a prize ahead. It's far greater than anything that you have now. What are you looking forward to at the moment? Maybe last week you were looking forward to a picnic. Well, now you've got what you asked for. And maybe now you're looking forward to an overseas holiday or meeting together again as a church or finding work or seeing your family who you haven't seen. In months, finding space and clarity again. As you think about those things, just imagine the, the relief and the satisfaction, the peace, the connection, the life and breath that they will give you. But even what you feel as you think about those things and what you imagine you might feel, even that will be nothing compared to the prize that awaits you when you go to be with Christ. So forget what lies ahead and strain for move forward to what lies ahead. Sorry, forget what is past. Strain forward to what lies ahead until Christ welcomes you home. 
Well, so far I've talked about life as a race, always pressing on to what's ahead. But Paul changes tack at the end a little bit in a surprising way. Because the Christian life, it's not just about, it's, just, it's not just like being in a race. And for one, we're not actually sweaty, blistery runners, but there's something deeper. Because the race has already been won by Christ. Christ has taken hold of you. He knows you, you know him, you are already alive in him now. We already have so much in this race. And even the idea of of needing to press on, to understand that requires a level of maturity. Even the mature is the way that Paul puts it. Even those who are complete, who are mature among us, should have the mind of straining forward. But there's a maturity there. And it's there in verse 16. It's what we have already attained. And so he says... Hold fast to what we have already attained. Hold fast to what we've already attained. And so the Christian life, it's not about just uh, waking up in an every day and having to start again afresh, as if there's no momentum. You know, imagine trying to run a race and every meter you have to stop and then start again and stop and start again. So tiring, and you just get nowhere. But life as a Christian is not like that. In Christ, we we have a momentum behind us. We've already received so much. And so hold on tight to the good news that you've already received. Don't walk away from it. Now, the Philippians, they were under pressure. They had, uh, under pressure from the outside, they had the government on their backs, They had the public voices criticizing them. And so the temptation was to walk away and give up. Like them, we need to keep on track to know Christ by holding fast to what we already know and not walk away. And we need to hold on tight to the way of life that he's already given you. So much of being a Christian is uh, ingrained habits. And not just kind of brushing your teeth or menial things like that, but whole ways of approaching life. Living humbly, loving others, serving, praying. These are things that many of us have have already attained in a level of maturity. And so the point here is you have all of this behind you, so keep going in it. Keep up the momentum. Don't slow down. If you see yourself as mature, have this same mind of, You need to keep pressing on. If you are serving, keep serving. If you're caring, keep caring for people. If you're praying, keep praying and don't give up. Now, there's a big challenge here. I've I've found that, especially at the moment, because I've found, and many of us have, that the lockdowns have really disrupted a lot of our routines and habits, changed the way we do things. And so the challenge then is not just to keep going in what we've already got, but to pick them up again, especially as things start to open up. If you used to serve, the invitation here is to serve again and keep serving. If you used to look out for people around you, then keep 
doing that. Do that, pick that up and do that again. If you used to pray, then pick that up and do that again. Do what you can to hold fast to what you've already attained. Well, life can be really busy, straining and striving for all sorts of different things. But God's challenge to us today is to strain and strive, but for the right thing, to press on to know Christ, to forget what's in the past, to hold fast to what we already have and what we've already attained in him, to press forward, to keep going until we reach the prize, to know Christ and full life. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.